chapter 4. We're going to begin in Genesis chapter 2. Let's pray this morning. Father, thank you for your word. It's a lamp unto our feet. It's a light unto our paths. And we need your instruction today. We need you to speak into our lives, to personalize this message, that it hits home right where we live. And I thank you that you're able to do that by your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. We're in a series called On Trial. On Trial. Jesus said, in this world, you're going to be challenged, but be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. There are going to be times in life when we're on trial. Our faith is going to be tried in several different ways. Scripture tells us there are different kinds of trials. We've been talking about trials. We took a break from it last week, but this is our fourth week talking about trials. The first week, we kind of give you, gave you an introduction to trials in general, and we shared seven main thoughts. Let me run through them real quickly. Trials are temporary. They're like tunnels. You go in one end, you go out the other. So don't get weighted down in a trial. It's temporary. Number two, trials, very real, they create heaviness and they play with our emotions. Number three, we have to learn how to approach trials with joy, not distress. Joy, not distress. Number four, we should approach trials with patience, not agitation. Number five, trials are a test and my faith is being tried. It's being tested. Number six, trials demand wisdom. So in every trial, we need to ask God for wisdom to understand what kind of trial it is because every different kind of trial demands a different kind of response. And then the seventh thing we shared was no matter what kind of trial it is, God will not abandon us in times of trial. God is always with us. Isn't it good to know that no matter what we're going through, God's right there, never leaves us alone. Sometimes we think he's not there, so we don't talk to him. We leave him out of things. But even though your emotions may be heavy, look to God God will always show up in every kind of trial. We've talked about the trial of discouragement. We talked about the trial of consequence. Today, we're going to talk about the trial of temptation. The trial of temptation. Anybody in the house ever been tempted? Now, I know it's, I know it's more than that because all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. So I just got to believe everybody has been tempted, okay? Temptation is a trial that we all face on a regular basis. And we're going to talk about temptation today. But look at Genesis chapter 2. Genesis chapter 2. In order to talk about temptation, I want to break this message today in three or four different pieces. But this first piece, I think we need to stop for a minute and look at Scripture and talk about sin. Because that's what temptation is about. Being tempted with sin. Genesis 2 verse 15. This is the first record of temptation in scripture and verse 15 says then the lord god took the man and put him in the garden of eden to tend and keep it the lord god commanded the man saying of every tree of the garden you may freely eat but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat notice his words for in the day that you eat of it you shall surely die. The original writings, that last verse there, it literally says at the end, in the day you eat of it, you shall die, die. The word die is there twice. Talk about that in a few minutes. It's an interesting story when God created mankind, Adam and Eve, and he put them in the garden when everything began on planet Earth, in this garden, 
God gave them everything they would ever need. He gave them all kinds of trees to eat from. And he said, you can eat from all of these trees. It doesn't say how many there were, but there was a great variety of trees in that garden. God said, eat of all the trees, enjoy it. But there's one tree in the garden you shall not eat of. That's the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. What God was saying was, I want you to know good. I want you to experience good. I want you to have good. So if you will walk with me and walk in my ways, if you will not turn from me, if you will only eat of the trees that I've planned for you to eat from, you'll have a good, full, fruitful, eternal life is what he promised to Adam and Eve. Some of us fail to realize that one of the reasons why death is so difficult for us it's because God never originally created us to die. He created us to live forever. That's why death is so difficult for us. God never intended for us to come to an ending point in this life. But he said, of the day that you eat of that tree, you will surely die, die. <clears throat> Disobedience is sin. And what happens is, when God put the tree in the garden and said, eat of all these trees, but don't eat of this one tree, their faith was put on trial. Are we going to believe God or are we not going to believe God? Are we going to obey God or are we not going to obey God? Are we going to do what he told us to do or are we going to go our own way? That was the challenge that was set before them. Disobedience is sin. Disobedience is rebellion against God's laws. And in essence, rebellion is saying, God, I don't need you. I don't need you to be my God. I will be my own God. I'll determine for myself what is right and what is wrong. We find that God said disobedience and sin brings the knowledge of good and evil. God told Adam and Eve, I only want you to know good, so walk with me. Walk in my ways. Because if you don't walk in my ways, you'll also know evil and what evil produces in your life. Romans 6, 23 in the New Testament says, that there's a sentence that comes with sin. The wages of sin is death. What we sometimes fail to realize is sin causes things to die. Sin kills relationships. Sin kills trust. Sin kills blessing and benefits. And God said, walk with me and walk with what is good because if you walk the other direction, you'll experience the evil and what Satan has come to do. I think it's important for believers to always realize that Satan comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. And when we follow him, we'll experience those things in our lives. Jesus talked quite a bit about sin. It's interesting, in these days that we're living we tend to talk about grace. We tend to talk about blessing. We tend to talk about all the good things. But Jesus talked about a lot of things. Jesus had a lot to say about sin. Now, I'm going to take a few minutes just real quickly. I want to talk to you what Jesus said about sin. In Matthew chapter 5, Jesus said, If your right hand, or your, or your right eye rather, causes you to sin, pluck it out and cast it away from you. That's pretty extreme, isn't it? Because most of you would say, wait a minute, if I'm sinning with my eyes, it's probably both eyes. 
Jesus is making a statement to us. He's warning us, avoid sin. And whatever it is that's calling you, causing you to fall into sin, you need to move it out of your life. If your right eye is causing you to sin, pluck it out and throw it away from you. Here's what he said. It's more profitable for you that one of your members perish than your whole body be cast into hell. And then he said the same thing about your right hand. If it's offending you, cut it off. Stop it from destroying you because sin leads you down a path of destruction. Jesus warned us and told us to remove ourselves from sin. It's interesting. Jesus one day had healed this lame man at the pool of Bethesda. I don't have time to go through the whole story. But it caused an uproar in the city, and later on, Jesus found him in the temple. And Jesus went to this man who'd been sick all of his life, and who'd been healed. And, and now when Jesus goes to him, here's what Jesus said. He says, he found him in the temple and said, see, you've been made well. Sin no more, lest a worse thing come upon you. Sin opens the door to sickness and disease and all kinds of things. We need to be careful about claiming the name of Jesus and living a life that is opposite Jesus told this guy, don't go back to your old lifestyle. If you do, it opens the door to the enemy again. Remember when Jesus took the woman caught in the act of adultery? Everybody knows that story. So let, let the one without sin throw the first stone. And one by one they walked away. And then Jesus said to her, where are your accusers? And she said, there are none. They're all gone. And Jesus said, neither do I condemn you. Go, sin no more. Don't go back to the old lifestyle that brought death and destruction your way. Now, I think one of the things that we in the church need to be reminded of, especially in this day and age, throughout the New Testament, you see it over and over again. In the Old Testament, you see it, but it, we, we look at it as works. But in the New Testament, Jesus taught it. John the Baptist taught it. The apostles all taught it. That there's a responsibility that comes when we come to God. We receive Jesus as Lord and Savior, but the word is repentance. Turn from your old lifestyle and start following God. Because when you walk with God, you walk into what is good. But when you walk in sin, you walk into the death and destruction that Satan wants to send our ways. And we need to understand today, in this day and age we're living in, we don't want to mess with sin. You don't want to play with sin. We don't want to play with God's grace. We need to be sincere about walking with God because God has made so many good promises if we'll walk with him. Jesus even said this. John's gospel, chapter number 8. He said, whoever commits sin becomes a slave of sin. And a slave does not abide in the house forever, but a son abides forever. He's talking about a lifestyle. He's saying don't get your life tangled up with sin where you get into things that become so strong you can't break free from those things. He said we need to look to God to strengthen us, to help us, to set us free. Because if we're living a lifestyle of sin, we are slaves to those sins. And that's not God's will for his sons. As a matter of fact, Paul wrote about this. Romans chapter 5. He said this in verse 20. He said, where sin abounded, the grace of God much more abounded. Where sin held us captive, the grace of God came to liberate us and to free us from that sin. Hear me today, church. God didn't just send his son to save us from sin, to forgive us of our sins. He came to liberate us from our sins that we wouldn't have to walk in sin anymore. 
Sin brings death and pain and destruction, but walking with God brings grace and blessing in every area of our lives. You may look at your past and say, man, I've got so much behind me. I've got so much bondage in my life. I can never be free. Let me tell you something. As your sin gets bigger, the grace of God gets bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. Trust his grace and he will free you from the bondage and the slavery of sin. That's his will for you today. But he goes on to say this. Paul says in the very next chapter, he says, what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? He says, certainly not. How shall we who died to sin live in it any longer? When Jesus Christ becomes our Lord and Savior, we die to sin and we walk into this new life where God wants us to walk out and live out and experience this new life in Christ. God wants you to be free. Don't give in to the enemy and the lie that says you can't get free. You can be free in Jesus. That's his will for you today. Almost want to feel like preaching on this teaching Sunday. Romans 8, 1, Paul said this, There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the bondage of the flesh, but according to the liberty and freedom of the Holy Spirit of God. Today, before we move into the next part of this message, I want you to ask yourself the question, why temptation? think we all know what temptation is we've got some knowledge of it why temptation why are things set up this way and if you don't understand anything else i say today i want to make sure you get this and it burns into your heart why do we face this trial of temptation why do we go through this over and over and over and over again in two minutes i'm going to tell you something if you get this the rest of your life you'll see god differently When God created mankind, Adam and Eve, in the garden, Scripture says every day God would come down the cool of the day and they would walk together and they would talk together. That was God's plan for mankind. Jesus came to earth not just to die for our sins and free us and liberate us. He came to give us that new life that you and I could have the honor and privilege of every day of our lives walking with God and talking with God and being in relationship with him and knowing him. But here's what you need to understand. When God created Adam and Eve, it says he blessed them. He said, be fruitful, be productive. Live productive lives. My blessing is upon you. Walk with me. And as soon as God pronounced that blessing on Adam and Eve, as soon as that blessing was pronounced upon you and me, God's creation, Satan went to work trying to devalue what God valued most. That relationship we had with God. You and I, God's creation, Satan went to work to devalue it, to defeat it, to beat it down. To do what? To steal, to kill, and to destroy the eternal life that was ours, the relationship with God that was ours. He went to work trying to destroy it all, and he became our adversary. Cunning as he was, he brought temptation. And then eventually sin came into the world. Can I tell you today the most precious thing I have in this life is my relationship with God. Some of us treat relationship with God like it's a, you know, it's it's a one-day pass into an eternal amusement park. Friend, it's not a ticket you hold on to waiting for eternity to get here. It's something we live out every day of our lives. 
Eternal life doesn't begin when this life is over. We experience eternal life when Jesus Christ comes into our life. We need to look to him. We need to understand how precious this life is. And what God values the most, relationship with you and me, blessing you and me, pouring his spirit on you and me, we need to value it as much as he does and let it become the most important thing in our lives. Because Satan is out to destroy it. Now, let's read further Genesis chapter 3. We were in Genesis 2. Let's go to Genesis chapter 3. I'm going to read several verses here, but I'm going to read it real quickly. Everybody knows the story. Then I'm going to share some thoughts. Genesis chapter 3, verse number 1. Now the serpent, everybody say serpent. How many of you know that Satan can even make himself look like an, an angel of light? Okay. Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord had, God had made. The serpent said to the woman, has God indeed said you shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat the fruit of the trees of the garden. But of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, you shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. And the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die. For God knows in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes and a tree desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. She also gave to her husband with her, and he ate. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves coverings. They heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Let me just make one statement here real quick. Did you know the first record of fear in history is when man sinned? There was no fear before that time. Interesting. Keep reading verse number 9. Then the Lord God called to Adam and said to him, Where are you? God wasn't needing to know where Adam was. God needed Adam to understand where he was. Verse 10. Adam said, I heard your voice in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, and I hid myself. And God said, who told you you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree of which I commanded you you should not eat? Then the man said, the woman who you gave me to be with me, she gave me of the tree, and I ate. She's the one that fixed the dinner. I just ate what she fixed, you know. It's pretty convenient. The Lord God said to the woman, what is this you have done? And the woman said, well, the serpent deceived me and I ate. First record of sin and rebellion in Scripture. You know, when temptation comes our way, and I want to talk to you for a few minutes about temptation. We talked about sin, which is the result of us giving in to temptation. I want to talk about temptation for a few minutes. When temptation comes our way, the first thing that happens is temptation causes us to question God. Did he really say that? Is that really what God said? Come on. Is that really what God said? Scripture tells us that Satan is a deceiver. He deceives. He deceives. Eve called him a deceiver. He deceived me. She passed the buck to him. It's not my fault. It's his fault. He's the one who deceived me. 
Satan is a deceiver. One of the first things that happens when we're tempted is we begin to question, well, did, is that really what God said? Even in our hearts, when we know what is right, we've been taught what is right, we've read it for ourselves, we begin to question, well, my situation is probably different. Is that really what God said? The next thing we notice is temptation causes us to doubt God. Well, that's not what God meant. See, Satan comes along, the first thing he says to her is, did God really tell you not to eat of the tree? Yeah. The next thing he says is, no, God wasn't telling you the truth. He knows if you eat of that tree, you'll be like him. You'll become God. The ultimate result of sin is when we give in to temptation and we choose to walk away from God, we basically say, God, I don't need you to be my God. I'm able to be God for myself. If you just tell me everything you know and let me have it, I can sort this all out for myself. myself. One of the problems some of us have is we think when we stand before God, we're going to be judged based on how we want to be judged. The truth of the matter is we're going to be judged by God, the righteous God, based on the truth that we know. You see it right here? Satan deceives first of all, and then the second thing we see is Satan is a liar. Now, how many in, this, how many in the place, and I, and I really need to show hands here, how many of you know the Bible says Satan is a liar? It says he's a liar. It also says he's the father of it. He's the father of lies. He's the one that started the whole thing. Anytime you hear from the enemy, he is lying through his teeth. He can't tell the truth. Have you ever met somebody that had a lying spirit and they couldn't tell the truth even when the truth worked better? I mean, even when the truth would work out better, they'd tell you a lie anyway. I've known a couple of people like that in my lifetime. Lying spirit, I mean, they just cannot. That's how Satan is. He perverts everything. He twists everything. Well, is that really what God said? Well, no, he didn't mean that because really what God, he holds this stuff back. And temptation comes our way and we begin to question God. Then we begin to doubt God and not believe his word. Temptation causes us to become our own God and we say, I will decide what's right for me. I will decide what's wrong for me. I can work this out myself. You know what that is? That's me becoming my own God. James 1.15 says that temptation, lust, desire, when it's conceived, when we embrace it, it produces sin in our lives. When sin gets finished, it brings death. I don't want anybody to leave this place today in condemnation, okay? But I want you to hear me. When we take our sin lightly, when we fail in temptation... When we give in and we lose the battle and we make a little deal out of it, the only person we're hurting is ourselves. Because there are always consequences that come when we choose our own way. I turn to Matthew chapter 4 because I want to read one more story to you real quickly and share some final thoughts. Matthew chapter 4. This is the story of Jesus when he's tempted in the wilderness. And I want to read what happened between Jesus and Satan, the devil, in this battle of temptation. I want to read through it. I want you to read it with me. And I want you to let it sink in as to what goes on here. 
Matthew 4, verse number 1. If you don't have a Bible, the verses are on the screen. Here we go, verse 1. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. God is not going to keep you from being tempted. God wants to strengthen you so you can overcome temptation. Well, why does God let me be tempted? I'll show you why in a few minutes. God is not going to keep us from temptation, but he will help us overcome it. Verse 2, and when Jesus had fasted 40 days and 40 nights afterward, he was hungry. How many of you understand the end of that verse? No food for 40 days, 40 nights. He was definitely hungry. Number 3, now when the verse 3, and when the tempter came to him, he said, if you are the son of God, if, notice if, 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 if. If you're the son of God, command that these stones become bread. Remember what I said? Satan always comes. What does he do first? He sows doubt. He brings confusion. He walks up to Jesus, the son of God, and says, now, if you're the son of God. He knew who Jesus was. Jesus knew who he was. But he throws that if word in there. If, 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 if. When sin comes our way, we don't ever want to play with the word if. We want to just slam the door and say no. Everybody smile at me this morning. This is good teaching. No. There's got to be some resolve here. If. No, it's not an if here. I know who I am. Goes on to say this. Verse 4. But Jesus answered and says, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. You're hungry. Make the stones become bread. I mean, that seems reasonable. Jesus says, no, I won't use the power of God to feed my flesh. Because man doesn't live by just physical food. Man is kept alive by the word of God. That's where our life comes from. Then verse number five says this. Then the devil took him up into the holy city, set him on the pinnacle of the temple, and he said, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, he shall give his angels charge over you. And in their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone. Verse seven, Jesus said to him, it is written again, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. Jesus said, I'm not going to play these games with you. I know who I am. You know who I am. I don't need to do this for you, for me, for anybody else. It's not important. Besides that, we're not going to tempt God and play games with God. Interesting. Verse 8. Again, the devil took him up on an exceedingly high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. He said to him, all these things I will give you if you'll fall down and worship me. Jesus said to him, away with you, Satan, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only shall or you shall serve. Verse 11, then the devil left him. Behold, angels came and ministered to him. How do we overcome temptation? We talked about sin. We talked about what temptation is. Why it comes our way. It's a test to find out what do you really believe? Do you believe God or do you believe the lies and the insults of the enemy? Let's talk for a few minutes today about how do I overcome temptation? Because I'm going to tell you something. You are going to be tempted. Some of you will be tempted this evening. Some of you will be tempted this afternoon. Some of you will be tempted before you get out of the building here today. 
Somebody will look at you or say something that you don't like, and you're going to have to fight the battle. Somebody in the parking lot may cut you off. What kind of Christian do you think they are? Before, you, before this day is over, you'll face some kind of temptation. You may face it tomorrow, maybe the next day. Everybody is going to be tempted. How do I overcome temptation? Let me give you a few things real quickly that I think can help you today. First of all, we need to accept God's lordship over our lives. Jesus Christ is my Lord, and I'm going to live a life that he asked me to live. I'm going to live a life that pleases him, not the life that pleases A lot of us have never been taught some of the things that Jesus said. You want to follow me? Lay down your life. Pick up your cross. Follow me. Die to yourself. Forget about what you want. Find what I have for you. I say this over and over and over again here at the bridge. God has better plans for you than you have for yourself. But in order to find those plans, you've got to lay down your plans. Let Jesus be your Lord, and he will guide you into the greatest thing you could ever have experienced in a thousand lifetimes. His plans are better than yours. Let Jesus become the Lord of your life. Second thing, we've got to learn to accept God's word as the basis for all truth. This is the basis of truth. Jesus prayed for us. Did you know that? Jesus prayed for you and me. The prayer that we, that we find in, in John's gospel. And when Jesus prayed for us, one of the things he prayed, he said, Father, sanctify them. Set them apart by your word because your word is truth. This is the basis for all truth. If God says something, we need to accept it as truth and build our lives upon it. Don't let society tell you what is right, what is wrong, what is truth. Let God's word tell you what is truth. Don't let society tell you what is sin and what isn't sin. Let God's word tell you what sin is and what sin is not. The next thing we need to learn to do is when we are tempted we need to learn to use God's word to set the record straight. Do you know how Jesus overcame Satan? When Satan threw the if words out there and the questions out there, Jesus looked at him and he threw the word of God right in his face. Let me tell you something. If you believe this word, when you are tempted... If you look Satan right in the face and tell him what God's word says and tell him, I believe this, you're not going to move me off of this. I'm going to stay with this. He will back on and go to the next thing. Now, I've taught this several times, but I'm going to say it again today because it's important. The only authority the enemy is going to have in your life is what you give him and what you believe he has. The only authority God has in your life is what he says, what you believe, and what you let him have in your life. And when the enemy comes in with temptation and we wrestle around with it and we play with it and we think about it, well, what do we think? If, 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 if we lay around and we give him place before long, it opens up the door for us to begin to follow him and walk away from God's word and God's way. I'm going to tell you something. Satan knows scripture better than you do. But you know what he wants to know? He wants to know, do you know it and do you believe it? When he threw temptation at Jesus, Jesus gave him the word and he knew he'd not budging off this and he went on to the next thing. As a matter of fact, after those three temptations, and I'll get into this more in a couple minutes here, after those three temptations, it says Satan left him for a season because Satan said, well, this ain't going to work. I better find another scheme. Use God's word, but first you've got to believe it. 
You have to understand. People say, well, why do you always talk about learning God's word, learning God's word? I tell people all the time, if you've just come to the Lord, get a God's promises book. Find out all the promises of God. See what God says. Get that word in you. And when the enemy throws things at you, when that cunning little guy comes working his way into your life, asking if questions, you say, here's what God's word says. I'm not following you. I'm following Jesus. And he will leave you alone. But until he knows what you believe, he'll keep fighting you. Man, this is good today. This, man, this, this is worth the price of admission. You want to shut the devil up? Tell him what God said. And tell him you believe God. That'll shut him up. Next thing. We need to learn how to create safeguards in our lives. We need to learn how to create safeguards in our lives. I want to talk to you for a few minutes about this because it's really, really important today. James chapter 1, verse 15 says this, but each one is tempted when he's drawn away by his own desires and enticed. You know where Satan hits us? He hits us where our wrong desires are. That's where he hits us. That's where he hits us. He watches. And, and, and I'll get into this more in a couple weeks, but you know what? Some of us think, boy, that devil, he just follows me around all week long. Do, do you not think he's not everywhere at once? Okay? He, he's, not, he's not omnipresent. He's not following every one of us around. He may have assigned one of his little imps to, to, to come along and bug you. And like I said, I'll get into that in the next couple weeks. But Satan himself is not following you around, tempting you all the time. What's going on is there's some desires inside of you you don't yet have control of. You've not let, yet surrendered to Christ. And those things keep jumping up and they keep biting you. Smile at me. So, yeah, you're so right. That's right. That's exactly what, that's what's going on. We're tempted when we're drawn away by our own lusts and our own desires that can get out of hand. John said it this way in 1 John. Do not love the world or the things that are in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, listen to this, the lust of the flesh. Does anybody's flesh here have desires that are not necessarily good? Sure you do. Every one of you do. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes... Do you ever see things that you want that you know are not good for you? Go on, let's be a bobblehead church this morning. <laughs> and not only that, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. Are there not things that we want because we know they'll make us look good and they'll make us proud and make us stand above everybody else? Of course. But here's what he said. John said, these things are not of the Father. They're passing away. They're of the world. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, things that feed my pride. Those are things inside of us. Now, I'm going to talk about this for a minute. Every one of us has a fallen nature. Every one of us has a fallen nature. And we have to learn to surrender that nature to Christ. Paul said, I die daily. I die daily. I, every single day, I demand that all those lusts die inside of me so I can follow Christ. He's saying, I fight the battle of temptation. How do you do that? You set safeguards around you. 
You set safeguards. You make a decision. I am not going to these places and these places that I go that cause me to fall into sin. I'm not going to go there. And if needs be, I'll get friends. I'll get my spouse. I'll get somebody. And I'll tell them where I'm at. I'll let them know what I'm doing with my life so that they can tell me, I, I, I don't fall into that. I'll establish some accountability there. In other words, I'm not going to play around with the things that pull me into sin. Instead, I'm going to follow Jesus. John said, the world is passing away in the lust of it, but he who does the will of God abides forever. Let me ask you some questions real quickly. Who are you hanging with? Are you hanging with people who are following Jesus? Because I want to tell you something. Sooner or later, people are going to influence you. You show me your friends, I'll tell you what your future is going to be. Who are you hanging with? What kind of people are they? What are they leading you into? How about this one? What's the atmosphere in the world that you've chosen? See, we all, we all create our world. What do you allow in your world? What do you allow in your home, the privacy of your home? What do you take in there? What do you embrace? Are you embracing temptation? Are you embracing things that lead you to sin? Are you putting up safeguards to keep those things out? Paul said we need to learn to walk circumspectly. It's the word from which we get our word circumference. It means I'm always aware of my atmosphere. I'm aware of what's going on around me because I know the devil is out there. He's slick. He's cunning. He can come in so fast and throw temptation in front of me. I want to walk aware of what's going. So I'm going to do my best to control the atmosphere that's around me. Now, I know we live in this world. We're not of it, but we live in this world. I know you cannot escape all temptation, but we can keep ourselves out of a lot of situations that have brought failure in the past if we will just choose to do so. Hey, can, can, if you have problems with alcohol, you need to stay out of the bar. Does that make sense to anybody? Men, maybe women too. Men, you don't need to be going to the adult bookstore. You don't need to be watching that stuff online. You know when you're doing things that are opening the door to temptation. We need to set some safeguards in our lives and say, no, I'm not going to go there. I'm going to follow Jesus. Boy, this is a good today. Why are you doing this? Because we all face temptation. I knew a pastor one time who fought temptation. That's a joke in case anybody didn't get it. Every pastor faces temptation. We're all flesh and blood. We have a fallen nature, and we have to learn how to submit that to Christ. Isaiah 53, he was wounded for our transgressions. That's our rebellions. But he was bruised for our iniquities. That's our fallen nature, the things that we so easily fall into that just come so easily to us. He took the punishment for that too, but that doesn't mean we give in to it. Paul said, should we continue living in sin so grace can prove itself? No, 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 a thousand times no. Let's learn to set safeguards and follow Jesus. Let me ask you this one. What temptations do you willfully walk into? Is there somebody at the office that you flirt with? Well, it's just flirting. Is there a temptation that you walk? Do you go places because you want to be tantalized and you want your senses, the less the flesh, the less the eyes? You want it to be tickled a little bit? Can I tell you something? You keep flirting, and sooner or later that flirter is going to kiss you. And once you've opened the door to it, you're in trouble. 
Okay, let me, let me, some of you don't want to say amen, so let me back up one. <laughs> you know what we need to teach our kids? When your kids start dating, you teach them in advance. Here's where you say no. You don't wait till you get there and get all wrapped up in emotion. You know in advance, here's where I draw the line. I don't cross the line. How many think that's a good thing to teach our kids? Okay. If it's good for your kids, it's good for you. Hello? We need, we need to draw the line and set some safeguards. If there are areas of our lives that we walk easily into sin and fail, we need to set safeguards so we don't willfully walk into those temptations. Then one more thing. Pray. Pray. Have you ever sinned while you were praying, talking to God? Have you ever cheated on your spouse while they were sitting there next to you? It's quiet in here today. Good. <laughs> Jesus said, now, now keep in mind, Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane. He's about to go to the cross. He's asking the disciples to come and pray with him and support him. All they can do is sleep. Jesus the agony is so great, his sweat becomes his blood. Blood begins to run down his face. And his disciples are sleeping. You know what he says to them? Watch and pray so you don't fall into temptation. A few minutes later, Peter jumps up and cuts off a guard's ear with his sword. It's exactly what Jesus was talking about. Watch and pray. Watch and pray. Watch and pray. One of the reasons we fall into so much temptation and sin is because we don't watch and we don't pray. When temptation comes your way, start talking to God about it. I promise you, that will settle all your desires and it we're just that fast. Open up your Bible and start reading what God says about sin. Open up your Bible and start reading, start praying. I promise you, you'll walk right out of that temptation. Yeah, but I'd rather be tempted. I know, that's the problem. I don't want to talk to God about that. I, I, I'm embarrassed. You know what? You're, you're better off talking to God before than you are talking to God after. Oh, that's good. Man, that's good. I just thought of that. That's good. One more thing. James chapter 1 says this. Blessed is the man who endures temptation. For when he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life which the Lord has promised to those who love him. Did you know blessing comes when you resist temptation? Scripture says when Jesus finished telling the devil no those three times, the devil left him for a season, and what it says is angels came and ministered to him. See, what we do is we say, oh, God, I'm tempted. Send me angels. And God says, resist temptation. Trust me, believe me. Then the angels will come and minister to you. Set the safeguards. Pray. Talk to God. Use the Scripture. And then move forward. Last thing. It's time for me to finish. 1 John chapter 1, it's great verses of Scripture. It says, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. The next couple of verses says that we have an advocate. We have a representative with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous Son of God, who's paid for our sins. I said earlier, I don't want you to leave this place with condemnation. I don't want anybody who's struggling to leave here saying, well, I just can never do it, so I, I give up. 
No, 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 no. You can't do this. God will help you in times of temptation. He'll be there. He'll strengthen you. But here's what I want to tell you. When you fail, God has provided a way for us to come to God and say, God, forgive me. I say this so many times, I think people get weary of it. Don't run from God. Run to him. If we confess, admit our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from our failures. Maybe you're here today. Maybe you're struggling. Maybe there's a temptation. Maybe there's an area of your life that's out of control. And it's like, what am I going to do? We've given you some keys today, how we start. But I'm going to pray for you right now because the last thing I want you to do is to run from God. So I'm going to ask you to bow your heads. I'm going to pray two prayers. But bow your heads. I want to pray for you right now. Father, what I've shared today has hit home, I know, with a lot of people. Simple truths from your word. Father, as Jesus told us to pray, he said, pray, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. God, we don't want to fall in the hole. We don't want to fall in the pit. We don't want to make bad decisions. We don't want to give in to our lusts, create problems in our relationship with you. Father, we want to walk with you. But I pray right now, Father, in our hearts, number one, just, just give us a determination to not give in to sin, not give in to temptation. Number two, Help us to take your word and put it to work and start praying and talking to you and resisting the enemy because when we resist the enemy, he will flee from us. God, give us a determination. There are some people here who keep losing the battle. Give them the determination today to keep fighting and not give up and not give in. Father, I pray right now, if there's anybody walking in condemnation, lift that condemnation off of us. We confess our sin to you. We ask for forgiveness. Cleanse us, Father. Cleanse us. Jesus name while heads are bowed maybe you're here today maybe you've never given your heart and life to the Lord but you're sitting here today and you're realizing there's something very real about what's going on in this building it's not about religion it's about relationship with God it's not about pulling a bunch of people together for a denominational purpose it's not about man's ideas it's about getting people connected with God maybe as you've said here today maybe Maybe you feel something inside and you're realizing this is real, this is truth, and I need God's help. What do I do? What you do is you open your heart to God and you ask Him to come in. If you're feeling that today, that's God. That's the Holy Spirit knocking on the door of your heart. God's saying, I want to come in, but He needs your permission. He's given you a will. You have to say, yes, Lord. So I want to lead you to prayer right now that will open the door and invite God into your life. I'm going to ask everybody here to pray with me. Say these words. Say, God, I need you. I need your forgiveness. I need your help with my life. Please come in and help me. I put my faith in Jesus. I believe he died for my sin. Paid for it all. And was raised from the dead. So I could have eternal life. So I trust Jesus. To be my savior. I ask you. To become the Lord of my life. And lead me in the ways of God. I want to learn your ways one day at a time. Strengthen me so I can follow you. I want you to be my father. I want to be your child.